Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. And hour number two of the program begins. We look forward to catching up here in mere moments with Vince Ferrara, who this week is uh, doing a bang-up job pinch hitting uh, on Sports 180 with Josh Ward. So you can hear him noon to three, Monday through Friday. And uh, we'll also have a new edition, another edition of In the Cage that will be on the air tomorrow night uh, with the – MMA that is now back in action. But uh, if you want to join the conversation, 656-9900-656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. We will have Vince Ferrara this hour. We look forward to being joined by the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith, for hour number three. Uh, We will have your challenging sports trivia at the top of the hour to start hour number four, the sports fix at six. And then also looking forward to catching up with Fulton coach Rob Black, Jimmy, as uh, we get to start to unveil that class of 2020 for the Greater Knoxville Sports Hall of Fame. Yeah, and and Coach Black certainly deserving with the state championships. He's won at Fulton. What a terrific job he has done as the Falcons head man. That he has. Yeah, a couple of notes I did want to mention. We we talked about the U.S. Open uh, canceling the local qualifying and then the sectional or final qualifying. They have now canceled uh, uh, four events with uh, with that are sanctioned by the USGA: the mid amateur, the women's mid amateur, the senior amateur, the senior women's amateur. There are six others that have already been canceled along the way. So only four of the planned 14 USGA championships for 2020 are going to be contested. The U.S. Open at Wingfoot, the Women's Open, the Champions, uh, let's see, the, the U.S. Women's Amateur, and then the U.S. Amateur. Those are the USGA events that will be held, canceling 10 others that are out there. So uh, golf uh, has taken a hit in many cases, but hopefully they will resume in mid-June as uh, as has been scheduled. And we are pleased to be joined now on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline by none other than Vince Ferrara, as he's with us for the remainder of this hour. Vince, how are you? I am good, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Doing quite well. And uh, why don't we go ahead and get right to it. So uh, a lot of sports activity this past weekend, including another UFC uh, card. What can we look forward to tomorrow night on In the Cage? Well, we're going to talk to UFC featherweight Nate Landwehr. He's from Clarksville, Tennessee. And he picked up a huge win in Jacksonville on Saturday as part of those three return events for the UFC. It was a great win for him, and uh, he will join us on the show tomorrow night. Uh, also, we'll obviously look back on the Wednesday and this past Saturday's shows, which went off seemingly without a hitch, and uh, I think really capped off a very successful week for Dana White. So we'll talk about the big picture what's next for the UFC, where they're going to fight, and when, and then also review those uh, those two events Wednesday and Saturday, and then talk to uh, UFC featherweight Nate Landwehr as well. So uh, he's, uh, he's big on representing the state of Tennessee and uh, got a, a huge win for him. So uh, we're, we're action-packed tomorrow night. Uh, we'll look forward to that, and that'll be at 8 o'clock, correct? Correct, 8 to 9. It's Wednesday night, and you can find it on podcast afterwards in any of the on google or, or itunes or every itch podcast and then uh the archive shows are on the show tab on our website at 991thesportsanimal.com to go back and check out all of our past shows 
Vince, re- recently you've just been having your mail forwarded to the blogosphere as you've been very active. What uh, what have you penned this week? Woo, uh, a lot. Um, I'll, I'll just one at a time. I'll just uh, the Quincy Avery interview that we did, the quarterback coach for Josh Dobbs, Deshaun Watson, and and many others. When Jimmy and I visited with him last week, uh, I thought it was interesting how when Jimmy asked him about Josh Dobbs' development and time at Tennessee, he went right to Butch Jones. And uh, he basically saying that, you know, at the time, uh, that it was just a, a shame that, you know, the, that was interesting, I think, the way, is the way he, he phrased it, that um, he, they put him in a difficult situation and the, they, weren't, they weren't putting him in the best position to be as successful as he should have. And that that was hard for him, but he was excited that Dobbs was able to overcome that at Tennessee, and um, and then said that Butch Jones coached like he was afraid to lose, versus trying to get out there and 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 get after it and being aggressive. So I outlined in one blog all that Quincy Avery had to say, not only about Butch Jones, but about getting Josh Dobbs as a client for the first time told us a great story and then working with Deshaun Watson and uh, his incredible story of developing as a quarterback coach. So a lot of quotes in there. And then the full podcast is in, in that blog about Quincy Avery Uh, also did one on UT schedule that we can get into more detail later if you want, but just going game by game for UT schedule. I wanted to see or what do teams have, going into the Tennessee game are they coming off of a uh, of a long stretch of consecutive games without an open week do they have a really difficult opponent before Tennessee do they have an open week before Tennessee versus maybe the Vols having a tough opponent so where when you play teams is uh, is important as well as who you play so I dove into all that, details on the series, and then my opinion and Vince's view for each team uh, of what that matchup is like, especially where it sits on the schedule. And then I did one also on the SEC, and Jimmy mentioned last week the possibility the, U- the SEC has talked about as one of many scenarios, maybe doing a nine-game SEC-only schedule, the regular eight games plus one that one would be the 2021 crossover, and I listed in, in another blog uh, what those crossover games would be throughout the league in 2021. It means the SEC West playing at the SEC East and all those seven matchups where it's reversed for this year in 2020. And, and it, it really puts teams like Texas A&M in a bind uh, where they would only have three of nine games at Kyle Field, if that was their scenario, which just sounds sounds horrific for them, but the reason why is they'd add that that extra road game with playing at Missouri as the 2021 crossover, and then this year their annual game with Arkansas in Arlington is deemed a home game, so they don't play an SEC home game as it is until November. And now you're adding another road game on top of that. That's how you get to only three of nine games at Kyle Field for A&M if they were to play that. And there's other examples that I put in the blog of, of how difficult it would be. But that's just another example of how if you're thinking that 
an altered football season isn't going to have more uh, imbalance and is going to be fair across the board, you're mistaken. But I think it's just something we just have to just have to deal with, uh, even though some will certainly be upset about it. So those are a few that people can find in the blog section at 991esportsanimal.com. Let's go to the phones and talk to Jim, who joins us. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jim. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Hey, Jim. You know, I wanted to uh, ask you uh, a question. Uh, I guess the, the overall topic will be sports attendance in this era that we're in right now, and hopefully this era won't last long. But, John, I wanted to ask you this specific question first. When Major League Baseball starts up, hopefully in July, Aren't the Marlins going to have a great advantage because they're used to playing in front of nobody? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's perfect. Yes, they are. I, I think the Astros are at the greatest advantage because they'll have few people mocking them during their games like it would have happened. Yeah, Actually, you I think the... you still have the other dugout banging on trash cans. There you go. That was, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Now I'll get to my more uh, serious uh, question. You know, uh, I I think we're going to play college football this year. I don't know if it's going to start on time, but I think we will play games. Um, But college football, to me, amongst all the sports, has the greatest association with uh, the sport and their fans because of the just the tremendous uh, emotional uh, association of the game and, and the spirit of the game and so forth, and you're used to seeing these tremendous games in front of 80, 90, 100,000 people. And I'm just wondering, for each of you, how much of your enjoyment uh, of watching college football this year uh, will be diminished, if, if at all, by the lack of fans or a lack of a lot of fans in the stands. How, how, much, how important are the fans to you in terms of your enjoyment of watching the sport? Vince? I think it will it'll obviously be weird at the beginning. And so the question is, is that, how do we adjust? Do, do we, as viewers, make that and under, take that into consideration when we're digesting the product and maybe focus on the other things that we're appreciative for and not let it impact us? I think one example for me, I'm a big MMA fan, and I have enjoyed those, the, the fights that we got this past the past eight days because I wanted it so much and it had been taken away from us and I could compartmentalize and separate the fact that there were not fans there even though the fans enhance the viewing experience so I think it's going to be an adjustment and, and Jim the answer the the long answer that might be it depends on where we're watching it uh, you know, what stage of us watching it at the end, is that still going to be the same factor as the beginning? Yeah. Uh, so it will, it will kind of be moving, but I think, I think we'll adjust to it enough because we love it enough and we're appreciative that it's there 
that I don't think it will drastically take away from me as a viewer on television. Now, being there, I, I do think that's a, a whole different ball game. If you're only there with a certain amount of fans and it's really spaced out, I think that would take away from it. Uh, but as a home viewer, I, I think I'd be able to adjust. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, very minimal adjustment if I'm watching on TV, much bigger adjustment if I'm at a game in person. I just think the atmosphere when you're at a game adds a lot to it. It, it doesn't make that much difference to me when I'm watching it. John? Yeah, um, I'll say that uh, normally I love to see a packed house because uh, I just think it adds to the atmosphere that is so special for college sports. Um, regardless of venue, regardless of sport. Um, I just think that when it's a packed house and you've got two teams, especially conference rivals that are squaring off, it, it really, it's difficult to top that. Uh, but this year, if it goes off without a hitch, uh, I'm just going to be appreciative for the opportunity to view it. Uh, the fact that it is going on, and as we've said, the three of us from the time that the curtain fell on sports across uh, well, around the world, for, so to speak, um, it just means that things are getting better. If we get to see college football this fall and and we get to see it on time, I would certainly miss fans if indeed that is how it is approached. Um, but I also think it means that things are happening uh, for the very, very good. And so I just, uh, if we get to see sports, I'll be very excited to see the sports. I think we all want the number one thing of having games played. And uh, I think, like Vince, you said, I think at first it'll it'll be very strange, and and uh, we're just going to have to get used to that for a period of time. And and I'm I'm, I'm hoping that you know maybe there could be twenty thousand or twenty five thousand people in a stadium that w- that would create a little bit of noise. Uh, so it's just it's just something we're going to have to get used to for this period of time. But I I would rather have the games played than. Certainly not at all. Guys, I appreciate your uh, thoughts. Have a good afternoon. You as well. Always good to hear from you, Jim. 656-9900 is how you join us. 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. That's how you join Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. Budweiser Studios of Cumulus Broadcasting. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. This is Sports Radio WNML. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, if you want to join the conversation, 656-9900, 656-9900, star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Vince, what are your thoughts on uh, the SEC schedules? We we uh, have talked about some in the past about how there are about four SEC teams that are opening at neutral site games. There are some really good cross-sectional games, and then there are some that are just really, um, really weak. What are your thoughts overall about SEC football schedule for this season? Yeah, it's not a great year overall for those non-conference games, Jimmy. Alabama, USC is a, a, among the better ones. Tennessee, Oklahoma is certainly good. But pretty much, except for Georgia, everybody else has that one power five, two group of five, one FCS pattern that they've had for a while now. And then one of those group of fives for many of the schools 
are a recent move up from the FCS to the FBS. So a lot of times there's not even a great difference between them and some of the, the better FCS programs. So you know, not, not greatly impressive uh, overall. Georgia's the one that has the two power fives in there, Virginia in Atlanta, and then Georgia Tech at the end. Virginia is a better team, played Florida in the bowl game last year. But, you know, they're, they don't really replace a Clemson or as good as Clemson. And then Georgia Tech still a rebuilding program. So just just not very difficult. Clemson uh, being on South Carolina's schedule annually always makes it tough. I thought I think South Carolina has a very tough schedule overall, uh, it, even even you know, before you start talking about a Clemson. Uh, they do get Tennessee at home. They have Florida before Tennessee by week before A and M, but then they have. Texas A&M, LSU, Clemson, all kind of, um, you know, in uh, on their schedule. And then they have a stretch of four weeks where they have Georgia at LSU and at Clemson over a four-week period. So South Carolina has a difficult – I mentioned A&M where they don't have an SEC home game at Kyle Field until November. And they don't have one of those typical week-before-rivalry week, week where – you either have an FCS or a very light opponent, or you have an open week. Texas A&M has a lot of their SEC games uh, backloaded. You know, Tennessee schedule has some some positives and and challenges. Obviously, at Oklahoma, you have the bye before Alabama. Uh, I think the the crossover game for Tennessee is advantageous. There's no doubt. Arkansas has been absolutely horrific. <laughs> so for Tennessee to draw them. And that cancels out. That evens things out with how a lot of people complain about the difficulty of playing Alabama every year. And I know it doesn't cancel out historically, but for this year, Tennessee gets to play the easiest SEC team. Granted, you're on the road, but Arkansas, Arkansas has lost 19 straight SEC games. Yeah, they hadn't won one that, since what? 2017. 2017. And that win was a one-point road win at Ole Miss. So the last time that Arkansas won a home SEC game was November 5th, 2016, when they beat Florida. Think about that. Four (laughs) years since the last SEC home win. (laughs) That is, is just awful. And who knows that you know they're they're not going to be very good this year. So you could continue to add to that already 19 game losing streak, and then the home losing streak. You know, our Arkansas has difficult all the the West teams to deal with. Um, you know, before even before Tennessee comes, so it could be like I think they have four SEC games before Tennessee, so it could be a 23 game losing streak in SEC play overall for Arkansas when Tennessee plays there uh, at Donald uh, Reynolds, W. Reynolds Stadium there in Fayetteville. So Tennessee benefits from that. Um, and then, you know, the, the week after Alabama, you typically say, well, you got, you know, you got to deal with the, you know, opponent the week after Alabama. Well, that that's Arkansas. So Tennessee doesn't, doesn't have that for them as well. So I, I think, it, there's some up and down schedules overall. 
Missouri, you know, pretty easy overall in, in non-conference. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I do think that a, those are a couple of the ones that stood out. Alabama's, uh, certainly with the West being as loaded as it is, besides just them, it's not just them and everybody else, A&M, Auburn, LSU, just a lot of challenges. And then all, Alabama also has to deal with Georgia this year in addition to the Tennessee game. So uh, they would be one if you added that 2021 crossover, Alabama would add Florida. So then they'd get everybody in the West plus the top three expected teams in the East. Uh, but that's that's we don't know that just yet. But nonetheless, Alabama's if they do play that USC game with them being a top 25 team, that, it's a little more challenging of a overall schedule for Alabama than than maybe you know last year or in years past. If you're playing a bad opponent, it doesn't really matter to me whether it's an F. CS team or an FBS team? Does it matter to you? No, uh, it just depends on you know what you're comparing them to. Are they an elite, you know, deep into the playoff FCS opponent? Uh, if that's the case, then yes, they're going to be very close to the the lower part of the FBS, the North Dakota states, and and uh, and all those. Or maybe but better. It, yeah, or maybe better. That's right. But if you if you go down, you don't to me. You don't have to go down very far into the FCS before there's still a drop off from an FCS team versus a lower end FBS team. If you're talking about the elite of the FCS, then yes, you could maybe play a tougher team compared to some of those newer FBSs. But I think it's a small group of the FCS that would be in that category. I wouldn't necessarily just go off of off of record of the FCS teams and say, well, that eight and three might not be any different than this four and eight. Uh, I, I still think there would be a difference except for that elite of the FCS. That's Vince Ferrara with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Vince joining us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline. We'll get a break. More with Vince coming up. 656-9900 to join us. 656-9900 puts you on Sports Talk. Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, to join us, 656-9900, 656-9900. And let's go to the phones and check in with Kendall. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Kendall. Hey, what's up, guys? Doing all right. And yourself? Doing doing better than I deserve. I had a, a USC question for Vince. Um, first, I wish ESPN would hire uh, more former fighters um, to talk about the fights, I just feel like there's, I don't know, there's some of them that, that talk about it. Don't, I don't feel I have a real grasp on who the fighters are, the strengths, weaknesses, because I had one uh, one said the other day that he felt like uh, Justin Gaethje and Conor McGregor striking-wise was a wash, um, <laughs> which I found just <laughs> funny. But um, anyways, I'd like to hear what you think, Vince. Um I think Gaethje's going to get mauled by, by Khabib. I would really like to see the Conor Gaethje matchup first and the winner take on Khabib. Um, but 
Let me see what you think about. Uh, let me hear what you think about the uh, a Masvidal Connor matchup, and then what you think about Gaethje and Connor. But I'll hang up. Let's see it. Thanks. Well, appreciate it. I think from an entertainment standpoint, because both of them are accomplished strikers, Connor and Gaethje would be one that. Uh, and plus the name of Connor, that's what people would point to in terms of excitement of action. I don't. I think Connor would struggle in in with the with the striking of of Gaethje. I think he is on another level, especially be, the way he fought Tony Ferguson, where he wasn't wild and overzealous and put himself in tough situations. Because you know Connor would be able to, as a good counterpuncher, would be able to to offset that. But I, I would favor Gaethje there in terms of Habib. I agree with you. I think Habib would make it really difficult on Gaethje. He's he's got a wrestling background, but he is not. He, he never goes to the mat in any of his fights. So I think he Habib would smother, like you said, Gaethje, and I think that would be uh, just a whole new world that Gaethje has not been in before. In terms of Masvidal, and I think you said Masvidal and uh, and Connor. Um, that would be tough. I think they're both of them have some holes in their game. Um, I know I would favor uh, Kamaru Usman over Masvidal if that fight that's been talked about a lot would happen. I that would be a little bit a little bit closer. I think in uh, in where they're at. To me, so much of it is how serious is is McGregor at the time. Um, so I might give Masvidal a slight edge there, but I do think that would be more competitive. I I think Usman would present a lot more challenges to to Masvidal to where I would favor him in, in that matchup. But the good news is is there are a lot of these types of fights, John Jones and Francis and Ganu. There are a lot of these fights that are still out there that could be matched that we could potentially see down the road the, because we did have that period of time without him. And um, I think it's very positive for the UFC and its popularity that those fights are, are still out there. Well, I was curious as to, uh, to your thoughts on the window that's here, because uh, we saw viewership that was through the route. Well, it was the highest rated non-Daytona race since 2017. That's what we saw Sunday with NASCAR at Darlington. What do you think it means that uh, you've got this going on at a point in time when there is this opportunity for UFC, uh, for sports that perhaps maybe aren't, I would say, mainstream, to, uh, to make the most of this window and attract new viewers? It is an opportunity for them. You certainly don't wish on on a situation like this, but I think it's one of the reasons why Dana White wanted to bring wanted to be the first sport back because you know he felt like he could do it safely, and as far as we know, overall they did do that, and he knew that there would be new eyes, especially on the ESPN platform, uh, they would go on their sport, and they're still a growing sport. Uh, that a lot of people haven't brought them into their mainstream focus like the the major team sports. So they can benefit. I think NASCAR is another one that can really benefit with your ratings and attendance, especially sponsorship, those things declining, uh, you know, for uh, a number of years. It's a chance to get them back. Uh, I know I watched – 
the full race on Sunday and enjoyed it, whereas maybe otherwise there'd be other options, whether it's baseball or or anything else, or just being busy with work, that you, you it wouldn't be as much of employment viewing like it was for me on Sunday. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people that are sampling it as well. So it's a great opportunity. That's why baseball, to me, cannot afford to mess this up with uh, CBA discussion, arguing about percentages and all that. Uh, they need to get back on the field and present themselves in the best positive way to where they are opening their arms to the fans that when they do get the opportunity to return to ballparks to watch their sport safely, that they can't wait to do it in addition to watching them on television. If you really hook them, you'll get both. You get the ratings and they'll be chomping at the bit to go to the ballpark to experience your product again. If you don't do it right and you bicker and turn people off, then they may sample you on television, but you may not get them back to the ballpark. So it's a multi-layered PR position that these leagues have to really maneuver very carefully to make sure that they can take advantage of the of this unfortunate situation and, as many are trying to do, turn it into a positive. Vince, everything shut down as Tennessee, whether softball, which was on its way to Texas A&M, or baseball, which was on its way to Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, so it was right at the start of SEC play for both the softball team and the baseball team. Um, SEC softball had started the week before, but that's beside the point. Uh, anyhow, the SEC tournament would be going on this week for baseball. Would Tennessee have been playing today or tomorrow? I'd say tomorrow. Uh, nice. I yeah, I don't. I don't think. I think they would have been maybe uh, over some somewhere over five hundred. I think that would have been uh, progress over last year. You know, even if it's two games as difficult as that league is, that's still still pretty good. You know, when in, when in 16 games versus 14, I think it would have been, that would have put them into Wednesday. I, I don't see them being having to play those first day games. And wouldn't that have been nice, especially for you, Mr. Wilkerson, to not have to get there uh, for those, uh, for the quick Tuesday turnaround, especially with, the way things have gone in, in recent years getting eliminated so quickly. Yeah, would have been my 30th SEC baseball season with Tennessee baseball. Wow. Um, wow. Uh, but anyhow, that's uh, neither here nor there. Uh, what do you think in terms of the reaction to Furman? Uh, cutting 45 scholarships, they do away with men's lacrosse, they also do away with baseball. Um, and that's a solid program. You're talking about 13 conference wins in Southern Conference action in 2019. Uh, how much more of this do you think we'll see? Wow, that's – I mean, that's huge. I, I, you know, I guess they had other furloughs as well. Um, it, it's, it's just – it's rough. I think we will see it. But, uh, you know, I just it, – I, I just – it's so – it's so rough for, for these schools to already be in these situations to make these decisions. And, um, you know, uh, it's, we don't know their finances. So maybe I know that they're not in the positions like the sec schools are, but it just shows you how dependent 
they are in in football, and you hope that football can be as close to normal as possible. Uh, that's not a massive revenue maker, but if you think about it for Furman, they'll play some uh, non-conference games, and that's a big paycheck that helps them pay for the cost of all their other sports. If the non-conference games are unlimited, just think of the further impact that a Furman or, uh, or those schools w- would have without that big revenue uh, coming in. It, it's, um, it's a different world there. I just hate to see it, but I think, unfortunately, we, we will see more of it. I, I just hope that there is some sort of other way out, a way that you know, maybe it goes away for a year or two, but you know, they, can, they can come back at some point. And you know, Furman, obviously, one of those opponents that, uh, for Tennessee that's going to get a, a big paycheck from, from the, the University of Tennessee also. That's Vince Ferrara with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. We'll get a break. A final segment with Vince coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. The station where winners listen and listeners win. 99.1, the sports animal. Final segment to hour number two of Sports Talk, a final segment for us with our own Vince Ferrara. Of course, you can check out Vince's work week in, week out at 991thesportsanimal.com with Vince's views. There's also his blog, his uh, podcast, which is Vincenzo's Views, which you can uh, find that wherever you find your podcasts. And this week, pinch hitting on Sports 180 from noon to 3. Vince, what have you got coming up tomorrow from noon to 3 with Josh? We, uh, we're going to talk to Braden Gall um, and uh, talk about the Athlon Top 25. You guys may have, uh, have mentioned it earlier. They put out their college football Top 25 Tennessee just on the outside looking in. Um, so, um, you know, a number, I guess they were the highest of the teams that were on the outside looking in in the Top 25. Uh, so we'll talk to to Braden about that. Uh, talk more about the Last Dance and and obviously all the restart for college football uh, and uh, and other sports as well. So we'll, uh, we'll have a busy show tomorrow. Should be a whole lot of fun. And what can folks find these days at ninety nine one thesportsanimal dot com? Well, obviously I'm putting out a lot of blogs and I will continue to do so. Also, so many interviews, sports talk it has had so many great interviews. The whole station has. But in terms of volume with the four-hour show, you guys have continued to crank out those great interviews. So there's lots for you in case I'm sure it's easy to miss so many of the interviews that are there. So the easiest thing to do is go to our website, 991thesportsanimal.com, and go to the audio tab, take you to all the shows are there with their own podcast page. There's the all shows on demand one where you can get to everybody's uh, podcast in there. There's a blog section. There's a vol section. You can find out the schedule for the vol network classics. Uh, read up on every show with a podcast player within each show in the shows tab. So it goes on and on. Just make it a, a daily spot. We're always putting those uh, UT related stories, especially on the website. 
Vince, uh, Tennessee gets another commit. They get a tight end from Georgia. They just continue to roll. This this has been very impressive what Tennessee's done over the last three weeks, hasn't it? It has, and whenever whenever they go a week without a commit and you're joking that things have gone bad, you know things had really gone well for them for that to happen. Be interesting what they do at that tight end position. Certainly, a couple of, of guys there that uh, have some position flexibility. Um, and, but those are the kind of guys that that Jeremy Pruitt likes. Uh, I don't. He doesn't. Uh, he, you know, the Rock Taylors and some of those guys that guys that are big receivers that could you could potentially look at a tight end. And then also guys in the secondary, guys at linebacker, uh, defensive line. I'm, you know, the more and more time passes, the more I think he likes those kind of guys with a position versatility. Because how often has Jeremy Pruitt talked about, hey, we teach concepts here. So if you have a, a terrific player that understands your concept, no matter what the offense is throwing at you, if we're talking about defensive guys, they're going to be able to stay on the field, one, and two, be able to execute to understand what you need to do and adjust to it and help everybody else get in the right place. And then three, execute those things. Uh, The way in today's college football, guys with position versatility that are just athletes and football players with the right mentality are the kind of guys that, that uh, Jeremy Pruitt's looking for. And uh, it's just continue to impress with, uh, you know, with the players they bring in. I don't think that that, uh, you know, keeps them from bringing in a Hudson Wolf and a terrific four-star in-state tight end. I think Wolf and a number of other targets that are out there would be, they'd be uh, absolute takes, and then they'll figure it out uh, afterwards. But it is interesting how they have a number of guys that can play that position in this class. Nick Saban said his biggest takeaway from the last dance was the comment Jordan made, winning has a price. What was your biggest takeaway? Uh, from the last dance, yes, yeah, it, it was just how uh, to to that point. Maybe it wasn't just that quote, but how even more relentless he was in that drive for winning. And I, I guess that kind of blends into has a price that goes into how uh, you know he would rub some teammates the wrong way and had the desire to bring them in. Uh, but it, it was just, it was nonstop. And, and even making, uh, artificially creating different motivators because he needed just that little bit of an edge. So that was the biggest thing is that, is that how relentless, even more so than we knew, he was to win and win as a team. And then also we were reminded that he is a human being as well that had to deal with real life issues and and had emotions he wasn't just uh, a robot there for for our entertainment vince again if you would share what's coming up on in the cage tomorrow night at eight o'clock that's right we will look back on the last two ufc fight nights in jacksonville wednesday night and saturday night we'll break the whole car uh, those whole cards down we'll talk about some of the future fights one of the guys that got a win in Jacksonville was featherweight UFC featherweight Nate Landwehr. Well, he's from Clarksville, Tennessee. We'll talk to him in the second segment of the show, and we'll uh, we'll talk about what's the future. Where's UFC going to fight 
and when. We'll break that all down each Wednesday night from 8 until 9 uh, on the Sports Animal and then, of, of course, online at 99.1 the Sports Animal or on the, uh, the app as well. And you, uh, you've got your share of Sports 180 through the rest of the week. And as I understand it, a very special Saturday sports talk coming up at 8 a.m. Saturday morning. Special because of the co-hosts. That's, uh, that's right. So you and me, Saturday morning. So uh, appointment listening, John Wilkerson. I think, <laughs> I think that's what the script says. Here, let me, let me look that over again. Uh, yeah, that's what, it, that's what it does say. So uh, congratulations to all the listeners. They get us Saturday morning. <laughs> Vince, always appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Look forward to uh, Sports 180 and In the Cage tomorrow as well as Saturday morning. So uh, thank you very much. Have a great night. All right, you guys do the same. Always fun. Thanks for having me. That's Vince Ferrara joining us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline.